Hello and welcome to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Glad that you could join us for another segment. In this segment, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Christopher Thompson. He's joining us here to talk about his study on GEM as a viable treatment for obesity, which was presented at the 2022 DDW conference. Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Dr. Thompson. Thank you for joining us. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Well, give us a brief look into your professional background, if you would, and then um, let's talk about this GEM study. Sure. Well, um, I'm the director of endoscopy at, at the Brigham and Women's Hospital. I'm also the co-director for the Center of Weight Management and Wellness there and a professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School. So we've been involved in, in uh, bariatric endoscopic procedures or weight loss procedures for uh, for the better part of uh, 20 years now. So what exactly is GEM? Sure. So GEM stands for gastroplasty with endoscopic myotomy. And uh, it seeks to um, uh, address some of the shortcomings of of uh, current endoscopic weight loss procedures. Uh, in particularly, it, it, it's it's seeking to improve on durability and um, and pre- potentially give us a little more weight loss as well. And there are a few different components to it. Uh, first, we perform something called the pylorus sparing antral myotomy, and uh, what this is. Uh, basically is uh, very similar to something called the G-colon procedure, where we are performing a, a tunnel that starts about the incisor of the stomach, and we're tunneling down to the pylorus, but then we stop short of that pyloric ring, so that's where it's different. Uh, it's sort of the opposite of a G-colon. We leave that pylorus intact. We want it to be nice and tight and functional, and then we do a long myotomy in the gastric antrum, and uh, the, the thought there is is that this myotomy will inhibit the antral pump. So uh, the antral pump is a very important component to the gastric emptying. And uh, we know that from other uh, endoscopic weight loss procedures, if you can delay gastric emptying, you can induce substantial weight loss. So that was, that was our goal there is to, is to uh, inhibit the antral pump and delay gastric emptying. The other elements to the procedure include um, a, 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 a running suture, at the antral body junction that, that sort of isolates the antrum from the gastric body. And that serves a couple of different purposes. You know, one is potentially to further delay gastric emptying, but the other is that it, uh, it, it, it serves to prevent tension from being placed onto the mucosal access site from the tunneling required for the myotomy so it doesn't open up. Uh, due to the longitudinal uh, tension you could experience from the ESG. And then that, that's the third step is the endoscopic sleeve gastroplasty or ESG. Now, this is a smaller gastroplasty than is typically required, uh, just a few U-stitches and interrupteds, but uh, that is, again, kind of the traditional endoscopic weight loss procedure that's also included in this uh, GEM procedure. I thought I heard you mention uh, the durability or sustainability of the procedure. Is that something that is a common problem with uh, these types of procedures, is that they they reverse or fail shortly after? Well, certainly um, several of the endoscopic procedures involve devices, and uh, such as intragastric balloons, uh, the transpyloric shuttle, which actually uh, uses the same mechanism that we're we're talking about here, and those are um, or can be viewed as temporary because you do have to remove the device typically at about six months, mm-hmm. and then when the device comes out, the patients are at risk for weight regain, and so you need to uh, have a strategy in place, maybe add medications. But 
Um, you know, part of where I got the idea for this was that transpyloric shuttle because the main mechanism that it relies upon is inhibiting the antral pump. It causes, you know, a transient delay uh, or, or even obstruction of gastric outflow. So uh, that device sits in the antrum and, 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 and this does something similar to what we're trying to accomplish, but it has to come out at, at six months. So uh, you do get good weight loss with it, but it's relatively impermanent. So we were trying to you know, improve upon that feature. So what are some of the uh, candidate criteria? Yes. So when we thought about this procedure, we wanted to make sure that the patients were eligible for a bariatric surgery. Uh, this is for a couple of reasons. Um, you know, one of the more important actually being that if the gastroparesis uh, was something that became symptomatic for the patient and, and, and they felt poorly, a nausea, vomiting, and, 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 and the like, they could then have a, a surgical procedure uh, with standard billing codes to treat their obesity. So we could address the, the obesity, but we could also, uh, you know, hopefully uh, solve their problem with gastroparesis by doing maybe a gastric bypass or a, or a sleeve gastrectomy. Um, you know, additionally, we did have the option of doing a G poem if needed, but as it ends, as it ends, uh, uh, ends up, that, that was not necessary. As far as key takeaways from the study, would you like to, uh, to uh, continue with uh, some of the things that you found, maybe something that was surprising, or was most of the, most of the results indicative of something that uh, you and your team already were aware of? Well, it actually was somewhat surprising for us. So we studied six patients, and we've, uh, we've continued on to 15 currently. Uh, and in those six patients, we found that the stomach was uh, shortened quite a bit. It shortened by 16 centimeters in length, um, which that's just the gastric body from the LES down to the, uh, the greater curved side of the incisura. And that was quite a bit of shortening. And, and we did notice that the stomach shortened actually just after that long antral myotomy. So something is special about the myotomy, myotomy that leads to gastric shortening. So that was one thing. Um, and it was, you know, uh, substantial. And, um, I think the other thing was that you know we did experience more weight loss than was was anticipated. So uh, the six patients at the time of our presentation had made it through six months of follow up, and uh, they they had on average a twenty percent, uh, just about a twenty percent total weight loss. And uh, what was kind of striking was that one hundred percent of the patients experienced at least ten percent total weight loss. So that's something that is unusual. Usually there's a 20% non-responder rate that you see. Um, and that, that doesn't seem to be the case here. The, you know, all the patients seem to do quite well from a weight loss standpoint. One other finding that was, um, you know, actually rather surprising was the amount of uh, gastric emptying delay that we did see. So, uh, the average time went from 90 minutes to 204 minutes, which was rather substantial. And, and, what was also noted is that noted is that the gastroparesis cardinal symptom index score didn't change overall. You know the number stayed relatively the same. However, the postprandial fullness and early satiety subscale did uh, end up increasing with with statistical significance. So uh, we found those uh, you know those findings rather interesting. 
Is this something that can be implemented with a patient who has uh, undergone other procedures and uh, unhappy with them or the results weren't uh, optimal? Or is this something that is restricted for first-time patients in this area? That's a great question. Uh, I think a little of both. So if someone had an intragastric balloon and they lost a lot of weight with that, I think that'd be a great signal that they would respond well to this procedure. Um, you know, if they if they responded great, lost a bunch of weight, the balloon came out, and then they gradually put that weight back on, that's a sign they would do well with this, and they would probably keep the weight off. Um, you know, similar for some, some other devices. I think potentially if they've already had an ESG procedure, this may also be something that could be considered and uh, they might they might do well with. Um, if, they, if they've had an ESG, responded and started gaining weight, there's potential there. Where this wouldn't be appropriate is if they've had prior surgery. I don't. I don't think this would be effective after a sleeve gastrectomy, uh, or especially after a gastric. Well, give us some uh, some web resources where we can learn more. Sure. Uh, uh, org is one place you can find me. You can also find me on the Harvard Catalyst website, and that has a lot of information there. And uh, and the web address for Harvard Catalyst is connects.catalyst.harvard.edu. You can find me there as well. And I do believe that uh, Brigham and Women's is BrighamandWomens.org. Is that correct? Uh, thank you. BrighamandWomens.org. Doctor, it's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for uh, giving us some of your time this evening. Hopefully you return and uh, give us some more information as the uh, procedure uh, becomes more widespread and we get some more feedback. Thanks very much. It was my pleasure. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Dr. Christopher Thompson at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.